It's my privilege this morning to introduce to you my friend, Dr. Mark Dalby, who's going to be speaking with us this morning. Mark is the president of Covenant Theological Seminary, where both BP and I graduated from somehow years ago, uh, by God's grace. But um, it's a real joy for us to have Mark and his wife, Beth, here with us this weekend. They've been directing us in a grace-centered parenting seminar this weekend, which was really very impactful and, and special time for us. Uh, it's been my privilege to know Mark and Beth for well over 20 years now, and I have watched and observed them in roles of pastor, in serving the church, and then from there Mark actually came to Covenant Seminary and was the dean of students for many years. As a matter of fact, his name, what the students call him, was the dean of fun. And uh, that's really the way Mark was. He created a great community and environment there. Uh, you don't think about going to, to a theological seminary to find friends and to find relationships. You know, you think you're just going to go there and study heavy things. But Mark was really instrumental in creating an environment there where people communicated together and shared together, shared their lives, lived together. And um, in the last few years, uh, uh, Mark, uh, actually, and I was at Covenant Seminary for a number of years, and the last few years, Mark and I walked through some pretty deep waters together, some pretty painful times of, of seeing different things happening. And, and I had the privilege to watch Mark as a leader during that time really represent Jesus in courage and fortitude, yet with gentleness and kindness through that whole time. And then surprise of surprises... Uh, that he never expected, God laid his hand on Mark and, and, and the board asked him to become the president. And uh, interestingly enough, since that time that he's become president, he's just continued to lead in that gentle but courageous fashion of setting a site for a vision for the seminary beyond just being a place. Again, you think of a theological seminary, you think, I just go there and I'm just going to read books and think heavy thoughts and, and take classes and then try to survive. But, but um, what, what, what Mark's been doing with Covenant Seminary is really saying we are in a city, and we're responsible here in this city to bring flourishing, the flourishing of, of God's kingdom to this place. And we're responsible because we're a national seminary to, to have an impact on this country and actually to think beyond this country to this world and not just be insular and be scholars but to really demonstrate to those who are coming what ministry is like that God's calling them to do when they get out. Many of us last year were heartbroken when we saw the instances take place in Ferguson. You've got to know that Ferguson is just right outside of St. Louis, and it is very close to Covenant Seminary. It's about a 20-minute drive from Covenant Seminary. And without talking about it, without blowing whistles and making declarations, what I've seen is Mark and the administration of the seminary take their resources and, and, and actually themselves roll up their sleeves and get involved as agents of reconciliation in the community. And so you sometimes hear about things happening, about gatherings of pastors and gatherings of, of people in the community, of, of, of marches for justice and other activities going on. And if you, if you look underneath what's happening, you see that there's a lot of Covenant Seminary that's been involved in that because it's more than just a place where people are being trained to do ministry. It's being a place where people are doing ministry. And a lot of that has to do with the leadership of, of this man. So it's really a blessing for us, I think, this morning to have Mark and his wife here with us. Thanks for coming and being with us. 
Thank you, Bob. It's a great privilege to be here. Is this coming through okay? Hello? Yes, good. Um, it's, it's been a great privilege to be here, and long-term friendship with uh, Bob and his wife, Janet, uh, was uh, one of the things that first got us excited about coming here. But as we've spent the last couple of days, it's been very enjoyable to meet so many people and see what God is doing uh, here at Seven Hills and in Rome, Georgia, a place I'd never been before. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about what happened at breakfast, at the bed and breakfast that Beth and I were staying at uh, the last two nights at the Claremont House, which is just beyond the YMCA. Um, at breakfast, the convergence of our experience of Rome came together. There were four alumni from Barry College who came from different parts of the country to see the football game last night in the new stadium. And they were anticipating that yesterday and so excited. And we heard all the blow-by-blow of the goal line stand and all those sorts of things that happened. And it was such fun knowing that Barry College is a big part of the life of this community and this church. Um, Just to hear that and connect with those guys and talk with them. Also, there was a couple, the wife of whom um, produced one of the short films shown on this screen in the DeSoto that won an award last night. Um, And again, there was anticipation of how the day would go yesterday morning and great celebration this morning that it went very well for them. And they asked us about how the parenting seminar went, which was the other sort of convergence of Barry College, the International Film Festival, and the Seven Hills Fellowship Parenting Conference. And uh, it led into a discussion of sort of summarizing some of the dynamics. Important information that Beth and I shared about parenting, but our goal was to go to those deeper places uh, where our emotions are, where transformation takes place, looking to families of origin as well as the children that God has placed in our care or for some who were there anticipating having children someday in the future as well. And it was just, it was just an exciting convergence and summary of our experience here. Uh, we saw, we drove by after supper and saw 1313, which I understand was on the scoreboard for quite some time. And then we were walking downtown and we heard fireworks and we were hoping that meant that Barry had won and uh, not just fireworks for their own sake or something like that. Um, so it's been a wonderful time of connecting with people here and as president of Covenant Seminary, it's, it's a lot of fun to get out and about to where some of our graduates are doing ministry and serving God and to, to be so connected and aligned with the mission of this church that sort of is demonstrating where I'm hoping the seminary will go uh, more and more in the kinds of graduates uh, that come uh, from our seminary. The purpose of the seminary, and I'm going to sort of lead into the passage we'll look at today in the last phrase of our purpose statement. But the purpose statement goes something like this. To glorify the triune God by training his servants to walk in God's grace, minister God's word, equip God's people, dash, all for God's mission. And it's that all for God's mission that I want to focus on this morning. That Covenant Seminary is not about the pastors and leaders for God's church and kingdom that we send out. 
But Covenant Seminary is about people like you all who experience the benefit of the training that such people get at the seminary in a way that affirms what God's call on your life is, not just when you gather on the Lord's Day, but between Sundays, whether it's as a student or a doctor or a lawyer or a homemaker or a farmer or a grocer or whatever the case may be. And so we're excited about that vision, that mission of God that not only goes geographically to the nations, as we'll see in our passage in a moment, not only generationally to the next coming generations, as we looked at Friday night and yesterday in parenting, but into the whole of life over which Jesus has authority and is present with us where we go. We're going to look uh, at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, as our scripture passage for this morning. And before I read it, let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can gather in this place on this day, on this weekend, to celebrate your greatness, your goodness, and your grace to us as your people. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit, who is present with us, who inspired your word, the Bible, that he will shine his light upon your word and into our hearts and out into the paths that we go into in this coming week. So we ask you to do that and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And I'm going to read out of my uh, large print Bible here. Uh, This is the only place I can carry in my travels a large print Bible, thanks to the uh, beauty and wonder. And if it quits going to those advertisements, it would be even better. Okay, Uh, verse 16 of Matthew 28. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If I were to ask you, um, where in the Bible do we find the Great Commission? Uh, Most of you would say, well, if you know your Bible very well, you would say Matthew chapter 28, 16 to 20, the passage that was just read. And the whole idea of commission means that the mission that God is on to reach the nations, the generations, and restore all things one day, he invites us into, to be co. Co means come with me, join with me, be a part of this grand mission that I'm accomplishing. And so the great commission actually has this invitation to it to join with God in what he is doing. Sometimes we look at the Great Commission and say it's all about us and God sending us into a mission that oftentimes gets defined in a very sort of 
me-centered, individualistic way. But the mission that God is on is the grand mission. And he is inviting us to join him with what he's already doing and to extend his mission into all the places in your life and mine that our lives touch and impact and have influence in. And so Jesus begins in verse 18 by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth. And part of what I want you to see today, and if you don't take anything else away, is the comprehensive, all-encompassing nature of, the, of God himself and the mission that he calls us to. So he says, he doesn't say some authority. He says all authority. He doesn't just say all authority in heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father is mine, but all authority on earth belongs to Jesus as well. All authority and heaven and earth. This is King Jesus. This is the sovereign, all-powerful God-man ascended to the right hand of the Father who reigns and rules over all things in the entire cosmos, including Rome, Georgia. That's a vital foundation for us to understand and have the courage to join with God with what he's doing right here and around the world. So all authority in heaven and earth belongs to King Jesus. Therefore, go. You see the connection? Because he has all authority, there's no place we can go on this earth where Jesus is not king with all authority. Now, that authority may not be visible. It may not be acknowledged. It may not be submitted to. But he still has all authority wherever our feet may go. So there's this all authority and everywhere we go, King Jesus rules over. And so he invites us then to, in our going, to make disciples, to proclaim the kingdom, to invite people to turn from their sin and put their trust in Jesus and become part of this adopted family of sons and daughters who have intimate personal relationship with God and who now are joining God in his mission of reaching the nations, the generations, and all things. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism representing our being joined to God through Christ. We're a baptized people. That's our identity. We belong to Jesus. And... We're to teach just the red letter parts of the Gospels that Jesus has commanded. No, we're to teach all that Jesus has commanded. All of the Gospels, all of the New Testament, all of the Old Testament, the whole entirety of the Holy Spirit inspired without fault, without error scriptures that God has given to his people. So we go under the marching orders of King Jesus, to places where he has authority. And we teach everything that he has commanded. And the wonderful thing is, not only is there not one square inch of this universe that we would go to over which Jesus cannot say, it's mine, I rule over it. But he also says, and behold, I am with you always. There's not a moment in time going to any place 
where Jesus is not with us. And how long does that extend? To the very end of the age until God completes his mission. He's with us. And so this passage is a, is a remarkable passage that gives us our marching orders with a wonderful foundation and tremendous encouragement of his personal presence with us always and everywhere that we go. And it's very consistent with what Jesus says at the beginning of his public ministry in Mark chapter 1, where he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel. He came to bring this kingdom that we now by his grace have been transferred into and come under his authority and experience intimacy of relationship and presence all the time wherever we go. And the kingdom of God is at hand. I was at a conference two summers ago in Washington, D.C., where um, the the, uh, original proprietor uh, and founder of a uh, a hamburger place called uh, Elevation Burger was present and talking about, um, you know, the the wonderful nature of organic meat and all the wonderful things that, you know, five guys and fries, I mean, that's okay. Um, but Elevation Burger is, uh, is up there way beyond that. Once you've been to Elevation Burger, you sort of, you appreciate other things, but it just, they sort of lack something. At any rate, that was one of our field trips was to go to Elevation Burger and have lunch. But King Jesus being ruler over all things and his kingdom being at hand, this man was explaining that they had opened uh, an Elevation Burger in the country of Kuwait. And people said, why in the world would you start an Elevation Burger in the country of Kuwait? And his answer is, because the kingdom of God is at hand in Kuwait. For a Christian businessman to start a restaurant in a place that needs the gospel by providing the best possible American hamburgers, etc., um, to believe the kingdom of God is at hand wherever you are gives an urgency and a confidence to being one who proclaims and lives out the good news of the gospel wherever we go. It's a gospel of a kingdom. There is no other gospel but the gospel of the kingdom of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Now, when I was at Geneva College uh, in western Pennsylvania uh, as a chaplain in the late 70s and early 80s, um, before many of y'all closest to me down front here were even uh, thought about, let alone uh, coming into uh, existence, um, the, the man that I reported to, a man named Jack White, Um, was very instrumental in helping me to see that the Great Commission is not first mentioned in the Bible in Matthew chapter 28. But rather, the Great Commission begins in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. So let me read those and see if you think Jack would make sense to you as, as it has to me, and I'll explain how I think it makes sense in a moment. Genesis chapter 1... I didn't give all these ahead of time for the screen, so you'll have to listen and or look at whatever form you carry your Bible in. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28. God has made um, the heavens and the earth and going through the days and making the different aspects of creation and finally comes to 
um, the climax of creation, and that is a creation of his image bearers, male and female. So Genesis 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created Adam and Eve in his image. That's their being. They're like him in the very nature of how God has made them. But they're also like God in this this sense. God has given them a mission, a task as his image bearers in the midst of his wonderful and beautiful and glorious creation. To be fruitful and multiply. To create more image bearers of God. So that the image bearers of God under king, the triune God being king, can rule over the creation. uh, Can subdue it. Can expand this glory of God through his image bearers to the very ends of the earth. Which includes serving God, caring and guarding the dignity of one another, and stewarding and developing the good creation that God had made. The missionary mandate, which we is another way of calling Genesis 28, and the cultural mandate, which is what we sometimes call Genesis chapter 1, are part of the all that Jesus has commanded in Matthew 28, and form together, I think, the Great Commission. God's work of redemption is intended to restore what was lost in the fall into sin by Adam and Eve and all of us following after them. To restore what his original mission was for the world that he has made. Through now the redeeming of work work of Christ that was necessary to bring that about. So God creates a kingdom. It's called the creation. He gives Adam and Eve a commission in his kingdom, as image bearers of God to worship and serve him and so on, to love each other and steward and develop the creation. These are some of the words that are part of that commission. Fruitful, fill, rule, work, keep. But in Genesis 3, we think, see that those things fall apart because Adam and Eve don't serve God, but they're about making a kingdom for themselves. But God makes a promise way back there in Genesis 3 that one day he'll send one born of a woman who will crush the head of the serpent and his offspring, namely Christ conquering conquering Satan on the cross. Redemption is meant to restore creation. And our mission is not just as I, as I was growing up in uh, pastor's home that I grew up in, I, I tended to have this sort of split view of life. There was a spiritual part of life that included 
coming to worship on Sunday, going to Sunday school, going to youth group, having my morning devotions when I would pray. Um, And that meant there were certain spiritual callings that were most important, which meant pastor, uh, missionary, maybe Christian school teacher. Okay? So those were all over in the sacred part of life. And then there's this other part of life called the secular part of life. That was being a basketball player, being a musician, being a student, um, how I spent the rest of my time when I wasn't having devotions or going to church or youth group. And so there was, there was this dichotomous view of life that somehow the Christian church seemed to be teaching me that I believe is fundamentally opposed to what the Bible actually teaches about life under God and in his kingdom. I used to think that there was a hierarchy of callings. And as pastor, I guess now I would say as seminary president, I guess I'm getting pretty close to the top of that hierarchy. But God says no. There is no calling that God gives to any of his people that is better than any other calling that God gives to his people. College students, if you're not paying attention now, hear that. To fulfill God's holy vocational calling in your life, you don't have to be a pastor or a missionary. As Mother Goose says, you can be a butcher, a baker, or a candlestick maker. Okay? And a whole lot of other things. And so it's very important to understand that while I believe those who are called to be pastors and churches have a unique calling that requires certain gifting and certain uh, character and a call from God that's confirmed by his people that you have the setting apart by the laying on of hands and ordination for the ministry of word and sacrament. That's a unique calling, but it's not a better calling. It's a unique calling to elevate and highlight the amazing kingdom callings of the whole people of God that take place between Sundays and to equip into that and to encourage people in that and to cheer them on in the calling that God gives. This is an understanding of being part of God's vital mission that goes everywhere because Jesus rules over everything and wants to reclaim absolutely everything. Well, this message continues throughout the New Testament and in the scriptures and We don't have uh, sufficient time to do all that I would love to do if I were here for the rest of the day and free to talk with you all. Um, But there are some wonderful things. The beginning of Acts, the book of Acts, is talking about Jesus teaching about the kingdom and then equipping with the Holy Spirit his disciples to go out and reach Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And at the very end of the book of Acts, Paul's in prison in Rome, which was sort of the ends of the earth from which Rome. Everything goes out from Rome. So for you, called to live in Rome in this season of your life, like Paul in prison at the end of uh, the book of Acts, everything about God's mission and calling goes out from Rome. How about that? That's a perfect application that I can't use anywhere else I go um, that I know of. Um, And what is it says that summarizes what Paul is doing? He is preaching and teaching the kingdom of God in its comprehensive nature. The book of Ephesians in chapter 1 talks about God's purpose is to unite all things in heaven and all things on earth. Um, his, redemption, his redemptive plan is for the fullness of time 
and includes all things. And he gives us all we need to join in the mission of the ascended Christ as he puts all things under his feet as the head of the church and the Lord of creation. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says, we're to grow up into Jesus as pastor teachers equip us to grow up in that way. To grow up into, King, into Jesus who is the Lord of creation and over all things. Uh, and we're to be equipped so that each one can do their part. We all suffer if, we don't fulfill, if I don't fulfill my part and you don't fulfill your part. That we might grow up into Christ and uh, serve him in our part. And one of the questions we have to keep saying, Lord, what is my part? In this body of believers, in this season of my life, with these circumstances and the context that I'm in, what are the opportunities you give me to do my part that all of us might be built up and that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who saves sinners and makes broken things better and ultimately brings the kind of healing we were singing about when we'll sit at that table in Zion. Did you notice that song? had the combination of lament in the verses that Emily sang so wonderfully, and then the celebration of what one day will come when we'll be feasting. No more of the sorrow and the sadness and the sickness and the pain of this life. And we're to proclaim as we're part of the co-mission, joining with God in his mission, the good news of the kingdom of God in the midst of the bad news that still remains that we experience. Colossians 1, 13 to 20 is an amazing, probably early Christian hymn that talks about this role of redemption to restore God's broken people and broken things. We're transferred from a kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's Son and join with the one who is not only head of the church, but the Lord of all things that were made through him and for him and hold together in him. The reason mathematics and engineering things work and you can build amazing buildings is because Jesus Christ is the one in whom all things hold together. If they didn't hold together in him as a Lord of creation, buildings everywhere would fall down at this very moment. And you thought it was the bricks and mortar. It is, but it's the means God uses through Christ to hold it together. And this says that one day he will reconcile all things in heaven on earth and bringing Shalom, which again, if you listen carefully, we sang about today. Peace, not just the absence of war and conflict, but the fullness of fellowship with God. And he brings that peace through the blood of the cross of the lion who is the lamb that was slain, even Jesus. So we're living in a time then when the call upon us is to be those ambassadors of Christ fulfilling the commission that's been given us together and uniquely as individuals of bringing the life of the coming kingdom in its first fruit measure right into the square inch that I live and move and carry out my life. It's a beautiful thing that God has called us into. If I were coming up with a plan, I sure wouldn't pick me to do God's kingdom work. And you probably, if you think about it, wouldn't pick you or the people. If You might think you, but maybe not the people around you. So at any rate, um, I think it's important to note that God's plan to bring about this amazing reaching of nations 
generations and restoring of all things. In his wisdom that is beyond mine includes each one of us here who belong to him. And as he uses broken earthen vessels that have to be refilled every day with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the glory in this amazing work abounds not to us, but to him. But the joy is ours as we share and and take delight in this privileged place we all have. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1, uh, a verse that I've, I've been doing running for the last four years, and I, uh, I run about 20 miles a week, and it beca- it's become, I was a basketball player, and I only ran because the coach made me run out in off-season. And I occasionally was a social runner, you know, with guys in the churches that I pastored and so on. But I found over the last four years that running has become, a, has become sort of my spiritual discipline time. I'm running. There's a physical benefit. We're whole beings. I listen to scripture. I pray. I sometimes cry out to God in my own prayers of lament that things aren't the way they should be in my life and in this world and at the seminary and in my family. Um, but one of the things is, as I hear scripture... I pick up on things that I don't necessarily see when I read it silently, which has been most of my life the way I've read Scripture. And in Luke chapter 8, I was running along one day, and I heard this amazing thing. Um, It says, soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming, and this is the word that jumped out in the ESV, and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And I know that if you look at the Greek, there are some words, it could be translated proclaiming and proclaiming, but there's an embodiment that takes place. Jesus preached, he taught, and he healed. And in many ways, the healing was the bringing of what he was proclaiming. It was holistic. And I'm thinking, we're not only called, and this is especially important at a seminary, to learn how to proclaim with words the good news of the kingdom of God. But our seminary students need to be formed and transformed and shaped to be more like Jesus in a way that they not only proclaim, but they bring an embodiment through their lives. And so Jesus went through all the cities and villages and proclaimed and brought the good news of the kingdom. In chapter 9, he doesn't go out, but he sends his disciples out two by two. And they do the same. And in chapter 10 at the beginning, he sends out 72. And I think once we get to 72, he's talking about all of us here gathered in the DeSoto Theater in Rome, Georgia today. And we're to go out from this place into everywhere that we go this week with everyone we see um, and proclaim and live out the good news of the kingdom of God. So I've come up with this phrase and I'm saying a lot more these days. That is, we are called to follow Jesus into all the cities and villages, whatever that means for you and me. It means everywhere you go. Everywhere, all the time, with everybody. Everywhere you go, every moment of your week, with everyone you come in contact with. So if you you don't leave anything here except, I'm called to go everywhere, all the time, with everybody. 
to proclaim and live out the good news of the kingdom of God. That's the Great Commission as it lands in your life and mine today and in the weeks ahead. You know, we pray this every time we say the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. How? As it is in heaven. That's what we ask God to do. And I think his call on us this morning is to say, Lord, that's what I want you to do through me. To be an agent, to be an ambassador, to be a joyful deliverer of an amazing message that there's life and hope in this broken and painful world. And to demonstrate it by the way we care for people, the way we care for God's creation, the way we go out of our way to serve others, the way we diligently do, yes, even our homework in the classes that we're called to love God with all of our mind. It's everything, everywhere, all the time. And my prayer is that God would stir you on um, in whatever place you are right now. And as you prepare for this coming week, or for some of you for a vocational life ahead that you're trying to maybe figure out what that is right now, or as you move out of a vocation that has a paycheck into time of retirement, which uh, is more my demographic than most of you there, God's call doesn't stop. It's constant, everywhere, all the time, with everybody. Proclaim and live out the good news of our king who has authority everywhere, who's with us all the time, and who through us is carrying out his mission of redeeming nations, generations, and all things. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are not only here with us in a very wonderful and amazing and even unique way as we gather to pray and sing and hear your word, and encourage one another, but that you remain with us as we go from this place into the highways and byways and campuses and workplaces and homes and neighborhoods and recreational places and places of business, and that you are already there as king and that you are there by your indwelling presence with us through the Holy Spirit wherever we go. Father, give us eyes to see who you are and what you're doing and hearts to delight in joining with you as your co-laborers, as your sons and daughters, as those who are on our way to feasting at that table. But in the meantime, may our lives be an appetizer of that banquet that's coming. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.